0: A few weeks ago, I had the great privilege of a visit from my childhood best friend. It had been years since we'd seen each other, and even longer since we had spent an entire day just the two of us. Usually, our visits lately have been centered around meeting each other's children for the first time or spending time with our families. But this trip, we decided to set aside one full day just for us. Without a doubt, besides my actual relatives, she is the person who has been part of my life the longest. We had the great fortune to meet as one-year-olds at our synagogue's equivalent of Tat Shabbat in the 1980s, and we were each other's closest friend through much of elementary school, through the awkwardness and cruelty of middle school, through finding our passions in high school and college, and making our way through adulthood. We were so close that both of our parents claim, and still do, each of us as one of their own daughters. All of this is to say, there's no one in this world I have known longer or who has been there through more phases and stages of my life than I'm not related to, and vice versa. That is why, when we had our one full day together, and conversation, of course, flowed as naturally as it ever had, we each reflected on some of our childhood memories and experiences, some that we shared together, and some that we experienced individually. As we stayed up late into the night sharing these stories, we realized that each of us had so much going on in our minds and hearts at the time that we never shared with the other. Insecurities, anxieties, even goals and dreams. Do not misunderstand, we certainly talked about some of these things. But we realized we had both made the assumption that due to the length and depth of our relationship, we knew each other inside out. And after nearly 20 years since we've lived in the same city, we realized that so much was left unsaid. By morning, we were so grateful to have had this time together, to have the reminder that in order to be able to support one another, we have to actually share our inner life with one another. We cannot walk with each other if we don't know what the other is walking through. It was this experience that was on my mind when I was reading this week's Torah portion. Parshat Toldot, often translated as generations. In it, it continues the narrative of the Genesis family line. We move from Abraham and Sarah to Isaac. Isaac is in adulthood. Isaac marries Rebecca. And then it chronicles the births and childhoods of Isaac and Rebecca's twin sons, Jacob and Esau. But the piece I want to hold up to the light this evening is from the first five verses of this Torah portion. It opens with Isaac begging God, we learn on Rebecca's behalf, to give them a child. And so it is that she becomes pregnant. One single verse after announcing the pregnancy, we read that, and I quote, The children pressed against each other inside her. She thought to herself, If this is so, why do I exist? The text itself reveals to us, the readers, that the source of the pain is a product of being pregnant with twins. We're unaware of whether or not Rebecca knows this information. She just knows something doesn't feel quite right. She then takes her question to God, asking the same exact question. If this is so, why why do I exist? And God answers her. God says, Two peoples are in your belly. Two nations shall branch off from each other as they emerge from your womb. One shall prevail over the other. The elder shall serve the younger. And this is the framing of the whole Jacob and Esau narrative. However, Needless to say, it is at the point of this portion the main focus then becomes at this moment Jacob and Esau. Rebecca's struggle is interpreted by both God and our ancient sages to be about the children she is bringing into the world, and actually not about her at all. God's answer is addressing the question of why Jacob and Esau exist, what their purpose is, not why Rebecca does. In some ways, she becomes invisible in this moment. Her question hangs there, why do I exist? A Greek philosopher is credited with the saying, the only constant in life is change. While we know this to be true from our lived experience, it seems to hit us by surprise during times of transition that change is not only constant, but hard. This is true regardless of the kind of transition, whether it be some sort of loss, either a job, a relationship, a loved one, or some sort of growth, moving, a new opportunity, a new life in the world. We read in these chapters of Genesis about Rebecca's longing for a child. We read about her prayers being answered, and it's in that moment after they are answered that she finds herself struggling. This had been all she had hoped for and dreamed for, and yet, it is a moment when she feels discomfort and pain that she first thinks to herself, If this is so, why do I exist? Reflecting on the journey she had prayed for and then finding struggle and difficulty on the way to achieving it left her questioning the whole purpose of her life. Change is hard. While Rebecca does bring her question to God, the text does not suggest that she shared it with anyone else. She kept her struggle to herself and suffered in silence all while holding the heaviness, holding the existential dread inherent in the question, why do I exist? It is human nature to hold this question. And I'm not saying that only because I happen to be married to a former philosophy major, but humans are wired to consider our purpose. So often we hide the struggles, we suffer in silence, we suffer with mental illness Fertility, trauma, loss, grief, and so, so much more. If we're lucky, we get through the darkness and back to light. Rebecca kept the struggle mostly to herself, and she suffered for it. Perhaps if she had said those words out loud to Isaac, he could have walked with her through the darkness, bringing in enough light for her to see a different way forward. Or, if Rebecca had shared these words with Isaac... Before she was in the depths, if she had shared what she saw as her purpose in life, why she existed, he could have been there to remind her when she lost her way. So tonight, instead of calling out in an act of despair like Rebecca did, I'm going to ask you this as a centering question. Why do you exist? How would you define your core purpose? For those who are so inclined, I want you to dedicate part of this Shabbat, part of the next 24 hours, to reflecting on that question in honor of Rebecca. And I want you, if you feel comfortable, to actually write it down and then share it with somebody you're close with. Anyone who engages in this activity, I invite you to send it to me as well, if you feel so inclined, Rabbi Bess at timemphis.org. That way, if and when, you come to a point where you are feeling lost, and you begin to wonder, "Lama why do I exist? I can be someone who can help remind you too. I began my remarks this evening reflecting on my longest friendship and how we never really shared honestly about everything going on in our lives. The whole time, we were often struggling with the question, why do I exist? Why is life like this? Why is this so hard? It was only decades later that we shared those moments from our past and committed to writing the next chapter of our friendship asking these questions out loud with one another so that when we get lost, we can remind each other why it is that we exist. Because the truth of the matter is that in and of itself is part of why any of us exist. May this Shabbat provide you with a reminder of why it is that each of you exists in this world. You are needed here. Kenyahi Ratzon, may this be God's will.